does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Let's welcome in Frank Isola. You see him on ESPN's Around the Horn, PTI, host of the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA Radio, joining us here on The Fan. Frank, we were just talking about uh, Lamar Jackson. If you are setting the odds, what would the odds be in your mind that he's back with the Ravens? What would you set the odds that he's with any of the other 31 teams this next year? Uh, I still think it's going to be the Ravens. If you look at what the Ravens have done, in their history, you know, they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback. Joe Flacco was better than Trent Dilfer, better than both those guys. It's all about their defense. That's still the best place for him. It's a great organization. I understand he's a little upset with the way things went down. And no offense, a lot of times, even if your family members representing you, that sometimes that doesn't work out. You know, there's a famous thing here in New York with Mark Messier, uh, the New York Ranger hockey player, who helped after over 40 years. And he's obviously now, a couple of years after the Stanley Cup, he was renegotiating his contract, and it was dad and his brother doing the negotiating. And you know how it gets. You know, when, you're, when you guys are renegotiating your big deals, you get your agent there, and the, the powers that be may say things that aren't so flattering. When it's a relative, they're going to take it personally. When it's the agent, they don't take it personally. It's like Michael Corleone. They think it's not personal. It's just business. And I think when, when you're dealing with that much money, and you're Lamar Jackson, and you're trying to leverage yourself, and the agent could leverage other clients. I think he made a big mistake. I think that's kind of, I think that's one of the reasons he's in the situation he's in right now. Frank, where do you land on the whole Ken Francis name drop that popped into our lexicon yesterday? A new wrinkle into all this? Is it is it just a, another element to it, or is there something more chaotic going on in this ongoing process to figure out where Lamar ends up? It is, you know, that definitely sounds more like a union thing. Because the guy isn't a uh, you know certified agent, which apparently you have to take, you have to pay like twenty five hundred bucks, and you take a two day class or a two hour class, whatever the case may be, and then you become an agent. So it's not that difficult. Again, I think that everyone believes well, it's Lamar Jackson. I I can negotiate his contract for him. I think I think that's a mistake that he's making. I think you're looking at so much money. I think sometimes players think, well, I don't want to give my money. I don't want to give X amount. To one of my uh, to an agent, I'd rather give it to my buddy. I guess he and Ken Francis are in are in business together. It has something to do with gym equipment. I think it just it speaks more to the the mess that Lamar Jackson I think has put himself in. Uh, you know, he he should go out. He should get a real agent, suck it up, and go get a massive contract that I'm sure he believes he's earned. The one thing that nobody brings up about Lamar Jackson, where they don't bring it up enough. You know, the guy did get hurt last December. It was early December. He never practiced again, much less yeah. played. You know, so he does take a lot of hits. And I look at these quarterbacks, whether it's him, whether it's Josh Allen, uh, you know, look at Justin Fields on uh, on the Bears. You, know, you want to run all the time. It looks great, but that eventually gets to you. You know, there's, there's a reason why running backs come and go in the NFL. You're a quarterback. You're taking big hits. It's, it's, hey, Tom Brady didn't last till he was – Five years old because he's running the football. That's and and you guys know about Peyton Manning. He didn't last that long. He's Frank Isola joining us here on The Fan. Let's turn to March Madness here, Frank, where you think about some of these big moments. Last night you saw Marquise Noel from 
from Kansas State. He's a New York City native, doing his thing in the garden, has 19 assists. That's a tournament record. You think about the the go-ahead three from Gonzaga in the final 10 seconds. You could go back to Furman in the go-ahead shot against Virginia. I, I think about one shining moment at the end of the tournament. Thus far, what would you put at the top of the list, your favorite moment of the tournament? Uh, that, that, that's a really good that, – that, that's a really good – so locally, I did like FDU winning. I think the shot last night by Gonzaga, which made that shot, that doesn't mean that they're not going to grab the rebound and perhaps get another chance at it. But they did look dead out of the water. You know, they had they were down big, then they're up big late, and it looked like they were going to just spit the thing away. And then, you know, the kid, uh, Strother, hits the huge shot. How about Drew Ki- uh, Kimmy at the line, or Timmy, at the free throw line, he looked like that was the last place on earth he wanted to be in that moment. He grabbed the ball from the referee. I don't think I've ever seen a free throw go from a referee's hands to the rim that quickly. He just grabbed it and shot it. It was like the ball was ticking. He, he wanted he wanted no part of it. But that that was a great moment. And then you know, you know, New York City really have, hasn't produced that many players maybe over the last twenty years that are in the NBA and are big time players. But Noel last night, I mean, that was an incredible performance. A guy his size reminded me a little bit of Michael Adams. Maybe I'm uh, dating myself. Khalid El-Amin, who was at um, UConn who won a national championship there. Undersized guard, but, man, what, what a giant heart he has. Coming back after he sprained the ankle. making And the pass that he had, he jumper late, was huge. He, his shot at the end of regulation and his shot at the end of over. You know, you're not Steph Curry. Why are you trying to shoot from that far away? Mm-hmm. Overall, 19 assists, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Frank, I want to shift to the NBA for a second. I know they probably haven't been top of mind throughout the year outside of the, the play of Tyrese Halliburton, but when we look at the Pacers locally, the, at least the local pulse is that they're still a player or two away and they're battling within uh, a spot potentially for the play-in. I want to know your thoughts on just what you've seen from them at all this year. If you agree with the sentiment, they're probably a player away from, from being a, a truly competitive team. And then the impact the play-in tournament has had on teams that maybe otherwise might not be going full tilt uh, towards the end of the season to try to get into one of these spots and if you think it's benefited the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously terrific coach and a GM, Pritchard. And the key is, you know, do you have a star that you can build around? They certainly have that in Halliburton. You know, it's one of those rare trades where it seems like both teams benefited. Sabonis goes to Sacramento. Look what they've done. Halliburton, when he's healthy, has been really good. They made a great pick with Matherin, who's who's tremendous. Look for a while to the year. Can they? I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to win that anymore. But I, I think Indiana is in a terrific spot. They they know what they're doing there, and they, and they got the right coach to figure it out. As for the playing, I, I don't like it from this standpoint. Uh, you know, there'll be a good game in the plan. Everyone will say, well, think about how we got here. You get there by players kind of thinking, well, I don't really have to. If, if you're stuck in 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th, and you finish there, you can kind of load manage your way into the play-in tournament. That, that part I don't like. If anything, why not just do something where the 8 and the 9 play each other, and whoever wins that also gets the higher lottery or the higher draft pick. Do something. Make, make it an... Hmm. Well, you I like only have that. 30 teams, and you already had, um, you know, half more than half the league making it to begin with. Now we're going to have 20, 20 of the 30 teams. What are we playing the regular season for? It's, it, it seems a bit much. Frank Isola joining us here on The Fan. 
How about uh, it's March 24th, Frank. It's a tough question, but what would be your best guess as to what the NBA Finals matchup is going to be? Yeah, that one is tough. Like in the East, I think it'll be one of those three teams, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, or Philadelphia. If Milwaukee is healthy, you know, Drew Holiday has become such a, a, a big player for them. It'll be one of those three. The West is tough to figure out because, you know, Denver's got the best record and Jokic is having another MVP season. But, you know, you look at uh, Guy Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., how are they going to respond in a big moment? We don't really know. Like on the road. You're, maybe you're up one, you know, 35 seconds to go in the game. Is one of them going to take, like, a crazy shot? We don't know that until they go through it. So, uh, you know, the one thing about the Phoenix Suns, they have Kevin Durant. And, you know, I do the net games on the Yes Network. And when Kevin Durant plays, the guy is, you know, I'm not breaking new ground here. The guy's phenomenal. He does everything the right way. He plays hard. He tries to hold his teammates accountable. He takes big shots. He's unselfish. The big thing is, He's always hurt them, and he's been hurt a lot, you know, starting with the when he, in the 2019 NBA Finals. I still think they could be a dangerous team, even if they're not going to get a lot of uh, time to be together, because you know, you're going to have to guard, you're going to have to put your best defender on Kevin Durant, and that means your second best defender is going to be on Devin Booker, who's pretty darn good. So I, I still have a little bit more faith in, uh, in the Phoenix Suns. I know a lot of people believe in the Warriors. Look at that road record. I mean, it's embarrassing yeah. how, how yeah. bad they've been on the road. I, I think last year was a bit of a fluke. Them winning, I think a lot of things broke their way. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Frank, do you have a lean one way or the other, the position the Colts had themselves in with the fourth pick? They're likely going to be either right with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, depending on how the board falls. Have you looked at that, and do you have a lean one way or the other on those two prospects? You know, it, it it's such a hard thing. It's sports, you know, and there's a reason why – the Carolina Panthers sent 11 people, including the owner and his wife, to go watch um, a, a workout the day with C.J. Stroud because it means, you know, it's so important to have the quarterback for, uh, for the uh, Colts. You know, here in New York with the Jets, and I grew up a Jet fan, you know, the Jets won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath, and he has more interceptions than touch over his career. You know, the Colts have had – you had Peyton Manning, and you had uh, Andrew Luck, who I get it, retired kind of early – but you guys have had a pretty good run of quarterback, so you know I don't care how it works out for the Colts. So hopefully they pick the right guy. But he's like, you know, look at the Packers. They went from Brett Favre yep. to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. That's like 30 years of top-level quarterbacks. The Jets, they've had some okay seasons from guys, but all these other teams seem to somehow find the franchise quarterbacks. The Jets can't. Frank, it's like Jet fans have to put Chad Pennington on a pedestal because of what's been around him, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait, what about Mark Sanchez, who did make it to back-to-back uh, conference title games, which is pretty good because he's obviously not a, a superstar quarterback, but it's an issue. That's why the Jets getting, if they do get Aaron Rodgers, listen, he could be a little nutty, but that dude can still play. You know, he's going to drive you nuts in his interviews, but you know, we New York has experienced Kyrie Irving for a couple of years, so we could live with guys saying wacky things in the media just as long as that guy does perform. No doubt about it. Well, hey, Frank, thanks for taking some time with us, man. We enjoyed it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you later. Thanks, Frank. All right, guys. Take care. You too, man. There he is, Frank Isola, ESPN's Around the Horn, PTI. Catch him on the starting lineup, Sirius XM NBA. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you radio.
Let's welcome in Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query in the morning here on The Fan. KB, you a pro wrestling fan at all? Boy, yeah, I, I can't say that I am. I, I do feel like with Sam Fritz, uh, our morning show producer, normally that would be Mark Dykton, um, Kyle Wells back in the day with Hammer and Nigel, I feel like it is like this massive producer um I don't know, just like calling card of like we are all in on the pro wrestling regime. So, uh, yeah, I can't say that I've um, ever gotten into it too much. I would imagine you are on the Micah Shrewsbury bandwagon, though, right? New head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish men's basketball team. I would imagine you're a big fan of that, although not as huge a fan of pro wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I would wrestle a bear um, if Micah Shrewsbury (laughs) told me to right now. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of it. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of the obvious reasons of you, know, you talk to anyone around this state that's ever been around him, and you know the basketball acumen kind of speaks for itself. I love the style of play that he had at Penn State. I think that's an important uh, part to having success, not only in college basketball, but I think it's what fans also enjoy. And unfortunately, when your fan base is not the most rabid. Um, I do think that's important to keep an entertaining product, even when there might be a few losses thrown in there. Um, and then just in general, Mike Bray did a hell of a job there, obviously, for, for two decades. If I'm going to nitpick a bit, though, I thought Bray really struggled recruiting the state of Indiana, particularly like south of, you know, 45 minutes south of South Bend, really. I mean, a Fort Wayne kid here, there, Luke Heron, Gody from the region. But, you know, the Indianapolis, and I would argue Chicago as well, um, just did not find a lot of talent. You would think Shrewsbury, given the Big Ten roots, given the state of Indiana roots, he would be able to help you uh, help you out there. So I am thrilled. Uh, credit to Jack Schwarberg for making a pretty big commitment to Notre Dame basketball, which hasn't always been the case. And uh, this is a very, I think, uh, very much needed injection of life. Any truth to the rumors that you going shirtless was the highest uh, clicked content piece on 107.5thefan.com in the site's history? Is that is that true, or is that is that this rumors that I, I need to dispel quick? Yeah, you know, I will neither confirm <laughs> confirm nor deny those rumors. I, you know, I've essentially been approached by some um, third parties that, that have been looking to um, for endorsement deals here. Um, constructive criticism, though, I think was kind of a common theme about my body yesterday uh, a lot of oh wow yeah he definitely has a dad bod um <laughs> which I, I i think i take as a compliment i i i don't, I don't know um if it was you know put in that way i did see a side by side of my chest uh next to et which you know there's a few roles on old et there i don't know if that was a um <laughs> The greatest compliment that I received yesterday. But you know what? As we are here on 1075 The Fan, whether that's from 7 to 10, 12 to 3, 3 to 6, you got to be a man of your word. And I said on Wednesday that I would remove my shirt if Jack Swarbrick got it done, probably mm-hmm. showing a little bit of my lack of faith in Notre Dame basketball and the type of commitment there. And when they followed through, it was time to uh, get the wardrobe one less. What's the workout of choice these days, KB? Are you like a P90X guy? Is it uh, the, you're, you're not a workout guy? Like, how do you get down? Yeah, I, I do venture down to the basement gym there yeah. um, a time or two. Usually once I'm on like the third droplet of sweat, though, that's when I just call it a day and think about lunch. <laughs> the yeah. third droplet, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you know how you kind of feel like that little bit of like, hmm, I just feel my skin kind of changing a little bit. And then once you get to like that third drop of sweat, I'm like, boy, I just 
I just saved the world today. Uh, so I try to get there about four days a week, and if I can accomplish that, then uh, lo and behold, it's time to eat whatever you want. Kev, as much as I would love to continue the the, the uh, men's health article that we've started to write with you, I want to pivot for just a second and look at the Colts most recently oh, this so week. No more Notre Dame basketball talk either. I mean, <laughs> th- there, look, there there is a deeper question about Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame football that I'd love to dive mm-hmm. in with you, but I realize that it might not be what our audience really cares about, so I will pocket it for off air. Um, but. All the same, very happy for you uh, in Notre Dame basketball and bringing Micah Shrewsbury to Notre Dame, not only because I'm happy for Notre Dame, but also he's out of the Big Ten. But I digress. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie brought in as a veteran wideout for the Colts this week. Uh, it's been reported a couple different spots. I, I think you've had it as well, but Joel Erickson mentioned that it, right around a cap hit of just under $1.1 million. So if you're trusting Sport Tracker over the cap, about anywhere between 18 and $20 million left for spending with the Colts. I kind of asked you a different variation of this last week, but does that money get used the rest of this free agency period, or do you envision that kind of being a, a fallback or a or a fund to break if they wanted to make a trade or do any extensions the year goes on? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, when you look at the rest of the offseason, you kind of map it out, Jimmy. Obviously, you need about 6 or $7 million, I believe, for your draft picks. You know, when you draft four yeah. overall – you know, that, that, that changes, changes a little bit of the financial outlook to the amount of money you usually kind of set aside in a pool to you know, allocate to that draft class. Um, I think the other thing you've got to keep in mind, and you did mention it, was contract extensions for Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Uh, typically in the Chris Ballard era, whether it was then Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, um, you know, even Quentin Nelson, those are deals that get done late in the summer, right around training camp, maybe even into the preseason, just before the start of the year. So in Pittman's case and Taylor's case, entering the final year of their respective rookie deals, again, past president would say they are in line for an extension. I, If I had to guess, I would say Taylor may be more likely than Pittman, um, but their positional history here recently would indicate those would be some really interesting negotiations considering how lucrative the wideout second contracts have been and how running backs just continue to be devalued around the NFL. So I'm fascinated to see if cap space and how it will be utilized for those two. Um, and then after that, you know, Ballard, again, his MO has kind of been, hey, let's keep $10 million just mm-hmm. to kind of hang around during the season if you need to pivot, if you need to do something. Obviously, that money can roll over to the next year. So, you know, when you start to add all that up, I'm thinking, boy, there's a chance they might not use it. Now, again, having said that, they still have needs in this team. I, I still think they need to entertain it. I still think they need to try and use um, some of that cap space, uh, but I'm not kind of holding my breath that they will. They could still create more cap space as well with a couple veterans. Uh, again, I'm not acting like that's a slam dunk, but again, cap has never been the issue for the Colts. It, it's more been willingness to use that, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Of I could see some areas where past Chris Ballard would hold on, and I think so far, you know, a week and a half, nearly two weeks into free agency, kind of past Chris Ballard has still been there. You know, KB, I've only been thinking about the next layer for the Colts, which is find a quarterback. But if you consider the layer after that, if they are able to land a quarterback and he shows a lot of promises, you could see Chris Ballard be a lot more aggressive in free agency, trying to maximize that rookie quarterback window or like that rookie wage scale uh, window for their quarterback where 
I mean, first things first, find a QB, but you could see a completely different Chris Ballard in terms of aggressiveness if they are able to make it, if they're able to draft a difference maker. I think that's interesting to think about because I don't think about it like that at all. I just think about QB next, then go from there. But you think of the next layer, that could be it. Yeah, I I hear you out, and I would agree with that. And I think ninety some percent of the NFL would agree with that. But I just don't think that's how Chris Ballard is wired. Now, granted, he hasn't been in that situation, but you know, for six straight free agencies, we've seen an extremely patient, prudent approach. And again, we are only a week and a half, two weeks into it, but there are a lot of big names off the board, and yet they still have been really hesitant. And you know, if you look at the offense right now, you've lost Paris Campbell and added Isaiah McKenzie. Let's just call that like break even. You know, that's just okay. And that's, I think, giving McKenzie a little bit too much there, considering uh, he's had a lot of inconsistencies with, with drops here in recent years. But let's just call that a break even. That means you are returning the worst personnel, you know, the worst offense of the NFL. You're returning all that personnel, minus obviously whatever you do at the quarterback position. But, you know, the running back room's the same, the wide receiver room's the same, the tight end room's the same, the offensive line room is the same. And I think it's really important to remember that, you know, do you want to push all your chips into the middle of the table for this year? No, but you also want to make sure you support that young quarterback. And I think you've seen moves in Carolina and in Houston where they are trying to do that. They are trying to support that young quarterback. And I look at the personnel here in Indy and think, boy, that lacks some support for sure. in you know, kind of making sure that uh, that rookie QB feels comfortable and has put in you know the best atmosphere possible to excel early, so that scar tissue and just you know early career struggles don't become too abundant, and maybe that impacts the rest of his career. Kevin Bowen of Kevin and Query, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at kbowen1070. Kev, you and I were talking a little bit uh, between shows the other day regarding this continued quarterback hunt back and forth, and and I feel like. My, my, my co-host today and Brian No it feels like that you have more pushback for Will Levis than most. But after our conversation yesterday, I would feel like that maybe that was never the case. Or if it was, you, you've, you've been moved a little bit the more you've looked back at, at his film, both from last year and his junior season. Is yeah, that fair? I, 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 yeah, I think it is fair. I, I, I think... And I don't know, maybe this is just kind of a loud minority on Twitter, but it just seems like there's a lot of disgust with Will Levis. And, you know, frankly, if you just want to judge that off of the man wanting to put mayo in his coffee, I I guess that's perfectly acceptable. (laughs) But I think you've got to get a little bit outside of this senior year box. Yeah, I, I almost wish, Jimmy, we could, like, flash back to 2018, a month before that draft, and have this discussion about Josh Allen. And to think like, oh, my gosh, did you see what he did at Wyoming? You know, how bad was his senior year in that Oregon game? And it was utterly horrific and, and this and that. Um, with Levis, you know, I think you talk to people around the NFL, that junior year, it, it, it has some Matthew Stafford-type vibes from it. The senior year, obviously he had issues, not only his own health, and playing through a lot of stuff, but Kentucky lost a lot of personnel. They changed offenses, the offensive line was, you know, very weak. At the end of the day, this is a guy that still, again, his defense helped him out. But, you know, he's a 17-7 quarterback in college. Um, he, he was in a lot of different NFL-type systems. You know, he was coordinated by some guys that have NFL experience. So I think that would be um, 
pretty attractive. And, and again, I know this is harder to look and box scores don't necessarily show it, but I do think a lot of people around the NFL like how he's wired from the head up and do believe that from a leadership, what it takes to play quarterback, those sorts of things, he, uh, he can check that, um, check that box pretty well. So again, I, I just feel like it's all of a sudden turned to like, you hate Will Levis and there's no way he can be any good in the NFL. You're going to have to obviously project and you're going to have to look at his senior year and say, all right, that the atmosphere around him was not very good, but we feel like if we stabilize that and, you know, we work on his footwork and, you know, maybe he is able to process a little bit better if we can, you know, keep offensive continuity around here and simplify some things, and then you're able to find that success. Absolutely. Um, if it comes down to it, KB, where it's Levis versus Richardson and the, the Colts are weighing, do we move up to three and have our pick? Are we at four and they're both still on the board? I mean, what's your hope if it's Levis versus Richardson for the Colts? Yeah, I – I'm a little torn on it. You know, part of me thinks a, a little bit more Levis than Richardson. I, I just, I think if the dominant trait of the quarterback is his running ability, that to me is harder to sustain into his, you know, late 20s, early 30s. I think you honestly see some of that with Lamar Jackson right now. Um, you know, with Levis, again, you would be projecting a little bit more back to that junior year and, looking at the senior year and saying, okay, you know, very similar to kind of how Jalen Hurts operated in college. He had constant coordinator play calling turnover. Then he finally has back-to-back years with Shane Steichen as the same coordinator, and boom, he has an MVP type of season. So I think you're trying to look at those sort of cases of like, all right, if you provide the same system for them, you know, what are you able to try and get done? I wouldn't say I'm like overwhelming with either of them, to be totally fair, but if I look at both of them, you know, trying to get a guy to improve his accuracy as much as you would need to, and he has such vast experience in college, that would worry me a little bit more than the uh, than the other one. Well, good stuff, KB. Always fun to talk to you, man. Uh, maybe go crazy and don't stop the workout until the fourth droplet of sweat, you know? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, that sounds ambitious, but you are right. You know, pool season is right around the corner, so – I probably should uh, should try and see if I can take that next step up the ladder. So thank you for that motivation. There, there you go. Call me uh, Tony Horton over here. You know, just <laughs> have a good weekend, bud. We'll catch you later. All right, boys. Have a good weekend. You too. There he is, Kevin Bowen, Kevin and Query, morning show here on the Fan.